and welcome to another adventurous episode of Retro Vaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And this week, Mr. Billy Holiday will not be on the show. He has got a new job. He's moving around. He's not available at the one hour a week I'm able to record, so he will be back next show. Uh, but before we get started on this week's game, which I've made us revisit the Turbo Graphics yet again for the Bonks Adventure, the first in the Bonks games. Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh, you know, not not too much. Uh, I've been kind of making my way, finishing my way up with uh, Chasm that I talked about last last episode. And, uh, and, and besides that, God of War. And I, I really hate to just sit here and talk about God of War because, like I said last episode, is it's just one of those games that has, has been covered nonstop by everyone. And I, I don't really have anything negative to say about that game. It's literally like everyone else just being like, holy God, this is an amazing game. Uh, it, it's just one of those games I can sit down to and, and just lose track of time for a good like four or five hours, which is really rare these days. Uh, so that that's really the the only two things that I've been playing. Chasm continues to be exactly the way that I was describing it last last episode. There have been a few patches since then where I saw in the patch notes that it's supposed to improve the the level, the randomization of the levels. But you know, if you're already playing and you're already locked into those things, I don't think it's really going to change much for you on on that run. Um, for instance, I, I had a thing where the second area that i got to in that game like all of the save uh, the save spots and the fast travel spots were literally at the end of the stage (laughs) like i i had to go through the entire stage and then all of a sudden all of the like the three different fast travel spots and the save the two save spots were at the end of the level like literally like uh, just a few screens away from each other and i was like well this you know this just kind of shows why you shouldn't maybe make levels based on on randomization like shit like this i don't know but that continues to be a thing uh, i still enjoy that game a lot but it's just it's just one of those things the more i play the more these these the way it does these levels just kind of starts to bug me and i just wish it was like a real actual level that someone designed uh, but still it, it's staying fun i the bosses and stuff like that are, are really challenging it's fun to learn the enemies like they're all super simple, but you have they've all got like these nice little attack patterns for each one that you kind of have to learn. It's just a fun little game. Uh, besides the, like the things that just keep popping up with stuff like that that just drive me insane because I can't stand game. <laughs> when games just throw stuff like that in there and, and it's just you know whatever who cares. But uh, yeah, that's that's really all I've been playing. Have you? Have, please tell me that this is finally the episode. That, that you have not played Monster Hunter. Well, I can't say I have not played Monster Hunter. Uh, this last set of events, they have the arch-tempered Teostra, and I've probably attempted and failed to kill that thing a good 50 times. Uh, I think I may have finally hit a monster that I can't finish. Uh, all the arch-temperedes, actually, I have not been able to complete, but this was the first one that I felt that I was uh, geared enough and at the right level of skill to fight it, and... I don't know if I'm just getting bad luck with groups or if it's just that I'm not that good, but I've died a bunch. But no, I did play something else that is worth discussing, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Chasm, because I'm playing Dead Cells for the PlayStation 4. Uh, It sounds very, very similar. So, uh, And I haven't played Chasm, but I looked at it enough to see if it was... Because after I started playing this game, I was like, is that the game Jeremy was talking about last week or last episode? But uh, it's not, but I think it's very similar. So this is a Metroidvania-style game, 2D. 
and the levels are randomized to a point, but generally the progression of the game is set. So you'll start in the opening area, and it takes you to like this dungeon area, and then from the dungeon you can go in two different directions. The level itself is randomized, so every time you play that first level it's laid out differently, but there are points where there's an exit to the ramparts, uh, which is like on top of, you know, outside of a castle and, and inside the, you know, you eventually get to the door to the castle. Or you can go to, uh, I think it's called like the, I don't know, it's like a slime sewer area. <clears throat> so if you can go to one of those two every time you play that first level. Those two gateways are there somewhere. And you've got to find a way to get to those, le- you know, find your way through the Metroidvania little level. And then once you get to the ramparts, it's again, it's all laid out in the same general fashion like you're not going to get a randomized to the point where the exit to the level is right next to the entrance or you know that there's a a wall of enemies over and over and over again and then a whole lot of nothing till you get to the level i mean it's it's randomized in a way that still makes the levels very interesting but it's definitely randomized so i I mean does chasm have that same randomization or is the entire game kind of thrown together at random it seems like the well you've got your hub area where it's like the little the little town that you go to that's got all the people that you collect inside the dungeons. Um, and then from there you go into the actual dungeon. And every single, as soon as you go into that every, that dungeon, every single level is completely, it's just, it's made in a way from like chunks, basically. Like I was talking to my brother and he's been playing it. We we definitely went through the same spots, but his spots were in, this, in different parts of the dungeon, basically. Um, so it's it is random, but it is like basically these big Lego sets that they that can kind of move around. But you know, I don't. I the more I look at Dead Cells, the more I'm just like, man, that's maybe the game I should have played because it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Like, is that randomized every single time? Like, I I think you said like every time you go back into it. Yeah, every every time you restart, the level is different, but it's it's not randomized in a completely crazy fashion. It makes sure that. You know, you have a starting area, and there's so you know you're going to go through a good portion of the dungeon before you find one of the exits. It's not like it's going to be so random that you have the start point, and then there's a door, and then there's an exit. Like there's always a good amount of level to go through. And the way that if it's not randomly generated, if let's say they built let's say 30 different maps of that first level, and it just picks one at random, I don't think that's the case because I've never seen the same map twice at all it seems to be very very much randomized but in a way that doesn't seem poorly randomized like there's no point like what you were saying where you get to the end and oh there's all these travel areas but they're right there together so what's the point none of that is in this game to that level uh it it's got it's got a definite progression again of the main areas so again you're never going to get a random exit from that first area to a different area it's always going to be you know the ramparts or that that uh that underground uh, sewer area but what what it does do is after you go through you know the starting level and then the ramparts and then you're on top of the castle and then you go to the bridge and you fight the first of what is four bosses and it's the only boss that i've gotten to i can beat that boss pretty consistently but then the next area is just so tough that i've never gotten through the next area and then there's no continuing you die you start back at the very beginning uh what you do get to retain is special abilities to some uh to 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 unlock other parts of the level. So one of the early ones you gain is the ability to turn these little balls of slime into like slime ladders. You go in front of a ball of slime and you hit the right button and it'll shoot up into a ladder and that gets you to some new areas you couldn't get to before. And that may unlock a new path for you. But it's still, like you still have to start over with, you know, 100 hit points and you get a default 
sword and default shield, and then you can earn. You get these essentially souls that you you kill from you get from the enemies you kill, and you can trade those in to get uh, some permanent upgrades, but also some upgrades that are randomized. So you you'll unlock different blueprints that give you weapons and shields and you know bows, and you can if you pay those off with your souls, then there's a chance when you start the next time you're going to get a different randomized weapon. So you don't start with just a rusty sword and a shield every time. You could start with the most incredible weapon that you've earned towards the very end. But that makes it so you can get back to that point fairly quickly because there's no real, you know, quick teleporting that I've seen so far. But uh, that said, I'm I'm a fourth of the way through this game, if that, and uh, it's definitely very tough. But it's not so tough that I don't want to play it. It's like I'll get I'll get through a session which might take me half an hour to get to my farthest point, and I'll die and I'll get mad for five minutes, and then I'll turn it right back on and I'll start again. It's really good and it's really tough, but not in a completely unfair way. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of the way I am with Chasm and. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chasm's kind of the same way, except that when you start the game, like everything has already been laid out for you, and that will not change unless you just restart the game. So that's that's how it does its its randomization. But yeah, it's I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like uh, Chasm can be very unforgiving, it, it, depending on what weapons you have, what weapons you find, uh, what armor you find. It's it's very Symphony of the Night in in that kind of way where you can make it a good deal all the way through a level and if you die then you lose your progress all the way back to the last time you saved there is no just kind of respawning at a checkpoint or anything like that so there was one point uh last time i was playing it that i lost a good 30 minutes of progression because it just didn't give me a save room and i don't know if that's intentional you know with some of these levels i don't want to make it sound like you know you go to a new area you walk a screen and there's just a boss there because of, of how you know, it random it is the bosses are always going to be at the end of an area and then the, everything in between there has been kind of made up in in these chunks that that can change whenever you restart the game uh, but generally there are definitely those those points where it's just like i should have probably seen a save point at this point why was there nothing at the beginning of the stage and I get three fourths into the stage and then everything's right here. Like this just doesn't make sense. There's no reason for me to have all of this here. It's literally faster to, for me to go back to the beginning of the stage by teleporting to the previous stage and then going down to the, to the next area. So there's just some of that that doesn't make sense. And like I said, the patch, the patches that came out was supposed to improve that. So maybe it has, Maybe I should just start over and see if if that helps. But so far, with some of the stuff I'm seeing, I'm just like, God, please just <laughs> make make this make sense a little bit more. Well, it seems to be there's a lot of games that are following that that uh, you know the randomized level progression Metroidvania thing. These are just two, but I've seen a bunch more listed on the the PlayStation Store that look very very similar. So I'm sure we'll try more. But uh, it sounds like both of these are pretty good. I would say try Dead Cells. It it does sound like it's the same idea as Chasm, but maybe slightly, slightly less haphazard in parts. Uh, but it's also, I mean, like especially the bosses. The the one boss I fought is is definitely tough. And if you get bad randomized luck for what weapons you have when you get to him, he's going to destroy you. And uh, and unfortunately, you do have to start over every time. But uh, let's stop talking about randomized Metroidvanias because we're already twelve minutes into this episode talking about Bonk's Adventure for the TurboGrafx sixteen.
you a, a big Bonk fan back in your TurboGrafx-16 days? Because we have been forced to play many, well, I mean, it feels like many at this point, uh, TurboGrafx games. And for the most part, you've kind of picked some like, games that I would not call like traditional games from back then, like platformers, like Mario and stuff like that. Bonk seems like it is it was not what you would in your wheelhouse as far as like turbo graphics games go. You're dead right. It was not what I would have picked. It was not I mean I wasn't I wasn't a Bonk hater. I didn't think Bonk was terrible, but uh you know, my brothers and I share the turbo graphics uh to some point and the Bonk games, we had both Bonk and Bonk's Revenge. They were both my brothers' games. I did play them. Uh I found them both to be uh, not too challenging necessarily, and and not the kind of game I wanted to play. I definitely was looking for those. Like we covered Military Madness, that was one of my favorites. Um, Keith Courage, I can't pretend I enjoyed because it was the only game I had for a long time. So I, I enjoyed it by force. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think that's really the the reason all these super graphics games kind of have a a giant red flag for you guys. Is I started with that one, and and perhaps that was my fault. Uh, but, but yeah, Bonks was was definitely more of a traditional. You know, what you'd expect out of a console game, especially a kid's game for a console. Um, I did like them, but I also thought if, if I'm going to pick a Turbo Graphics game, I want to pick one that at least, one, people probably played uh, outside of just me and the handful of people that had Turbo Graphics's. Uh, but also, Bonk does have, has spread out to other platforms. So there's a good chance, even if you never touch a Turbo Graphics, you could have played a Bonk game uh, to the point where the original Bonk games were available on the Wii and the Wii U Virtual Console. So there's definitely ways to find these games now. Yeah, they, I, I mean, back in the day, I, I that was the one game that I was seriously jealous because uh, for uh, wanting to have a Turbo Graphics, because every time I'd go into Toys R Us, the game that they would be playing on the Turbo Graphics demo station was Bonk. Uh, and, and later on, it was Air Zonk. But I, I remember Bonk so vividly because it was just this... It was a very traditional game. It was exactly the kind of game that I was into at the time, like on the NES with Mario and stuff like that. So that was kind of their mascot game that they threw out. And it looked amazing compared to what I was playing. So, you know, I was always just like, man, that if, if I had a Turbo Graphics, that is the game that I wanted. But then I'd go over to the Turbo Graphics area and be like, none of these other games <laughs> look what I look like what I want. They don't look like Bonk. But Bonk was it, it, that was it for me as far as like the game on Turbo Graphics that I wanted to play. Well, it was definitely a, a second chance for uh, the Turbo Graphics 16 to get a market in the U.S. I mean, as as you recall, we covered it before, but uh, Keith Courage was the original pack-in for the TurboGrafx-16, and as we've discovered, it didn't age incredibly well. And even at the time, it was pretty in parts, but it wasn't super fun. It was very frustrating. It was a little bit clunky. It's based on an anime uh, license that we had no idea what it was, which is why it was Keith Courage instead of whatever that anime was. Uh, we, we covered that a little more in whatever, episode five or however long ago it was we did Keith Courage. Um, but Bonk came out... Uh, and it was immediate. As soon as it hit, even in Japan, you know, it was like, this is going to be, this is our mascot. And in fact, he was supposed to be a mascot before he even had a game. Uh, Bonk's name in Japan is PC Genjin, which uh, Genjin, I guess, is, is Japanese for uh, caveman. And it's a play on words because the TurboGrafx-16 in Japan was the PC Engine. 
And so the PC Genjin was a cartoon character they made that was going to be a mascot. And then people liked it so much, they built a game for this mascot character. And in this country, it just became Bonk the Caveman. Because otherwise, the play on words didn't make any sense. You're not going to find anything that matches Turbo Graphics that makes any sense with a caveman. And uh, as soon as it came out here, it was obvious. Like, you're right. When you look at the other games on the system, they did have some other platformers, but they were few and far between. Really, the PC, the 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 TurboGrafx-16 was heavy in shooters. I mean, if you didn't like, you know, Gradius-style shooters, the original TurboGrafx lineup was probably not going to appeal to you too much. Uh, and and this was their attempt to be like, okay, well, you know, obviously Nintendo has Mario, and at that point, the Genesis was really pushing Sonic. If you remember, Sonic wasn't the pack-in for the Genesis originally. It didn't come out till a year or so later. It was Altered Beast was the pack-in for the, uh, the Genesis at first. So... By the time Sonic was a big character, Mario's a big character, they had to do something. Bonk was that character. I it's I mean it's pretty great. Of of all the failed mascots of back then, yeah, I, Bonk's fairly. I, I remember it well. Like it's it's a it's a great little character. I wasn't a huge fan of like the Amer- uh, just the art, uh, what you see on the box or the promotional stuff. But like the in-game art and, and just everything about that game was very distinct. Like I always remember Balk and just that style because it was a very cartoony style. It looked great on the Turbo Graphics, and it just it it just stood out to me. And and to this day, even playing it for this podcast, I was like, yes, this is Balk. Like it is just one of those games I instantly recognize as soon as I see, and and it played well enough that it or or even different enough from the other traditional platformers it was not just run on run up to something jump on top of it you defeat it and get to the end of level it is a very basic platformer but there was enough there that was different that made bonk stand out to me and it's still still a a very i i think it can stand on its own against mario and sonic you know i'm not going to sit here and say it's the better game or anything like that but as far as like an alternative Especially on the Turbo Graphics, I think it's a great, great mascot character. It, it really is. It, it's a simple game. Again, the Turbo Graphics has two buttons, uh, you know, a directional pad, a start and select, but then two action buttons, just like a Nintendo controller. It's pretty much exactly like the original Nintendo controller. So, unlike a Genesis, which had three buttons or six later on, or you know, any of the current systems that have forty-five buttons, uh, you know, you only have two action buttons on Bonk's Adventure, and they've made that work out pretty well so you have the the jump button which you need to have for every platformer but then the uh the other button will let you if you stand still it slams your head forward which is an attack you can use once you jump in the air if you hit it once bonk will spin his head around and you can then slam your head down on top of people from the air and that will hurt them or you can sit there and mash on the button when you jump and it makes your character spin around uh, which allows him to kind of float to some level or, or slowly fall to the ground while he spins around I mean, there, there's a lot that you can do with just two buttons that, and those abilities um, that, that they really took advantage of to make this character do a lot more than, you know, an early Mario game or, or other extremely failed platformers. You know, we've talked about Bubsy. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good example of what not to do with a platformer. You, <laughs> you have a bunch of buttons, but really only use the one jump button and the rest of the game is, is kind of a disaster mess. This is not that kind of game. The graphics are very crisp. The levels are designed... Uh, pretty pretty straightforward, but also in a very manageable way. I don't think there's any parts of this game that are extremely unfair. Um, but uh, but like you mentioned, the way it looks, it is gorgeous. Every character is outlined. 
like has a hard outline. It anim- every, all the animation is done, you know, I think pretty well for a, I mean, it's, it's fake 16 bit, but let's call it 16 bit anyway. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a very and everything's animated very well. It has a lot of character. This game, if you see this game and you see any other games in the series, they all look very very similar, but not like a much else that's been out to that point. I mean, just the way all the characters have like cartoony faces and like when you hit some characters, they they have those cartoon tears that come up afterwards. I mean, it's it's a definite interesting look to this series that I think helps it stand out. Yeah, that, I mean, that was the thing that drew me to it when I was at Toys R Us. So that demo station every time. Because it just looked like a cartoon. I mean, Bonk himself has has so many different expressions, uh, facial animations, and just about it, 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 when he gets hit, you know, or when he dies, just the look, you know, he's kind of got this lizard face on it. It's just hilarious. I, I as a kid, I I just sit there and watch it just because it was so so funny just to see the different type, the various enemies, uh, in the way Bonk reacted to everything when he got power-ups and stuff like that, the way he would just, you know, flip out. It, it was an, a, very, a very expressive game. And there weren't too many games back then that did it that well. I mean, Bonk kind of stood out as far as just how expressive it was uh, and that character was. I mean, you've got Mario, and basically all he does is kind of jump around. He doesn't really change facial expressions. Sonic kind of had a little bit of that early 90s attitude, you know, when he'd stand there and tap his foot on the ground or something, if you didn't you know, use the controller, but Bonk, just about everything you did with him, you'd get some sort of expression or, or some sort of enemy, like an enemy. If you hit them, uh, they just have a, a humorous death animation. Everything was just kind of fun to look at. And it was a very different looking game compared to just about everything that was out there. Well, also, I think level design uh, compared to, I think it's a lot more comparable to Mario. You know, there's a start point and an end point. Most of the time, you're you're on one plane. Although there are some definite levels that that do have a vertical uh, component, but it's not. I, I think Sonic levels, and I didn't appreciate this honestly until Sonic Mania recently. Uh, the way that those levels are laid out, I think a lot of the, the Sonic levels are way too big. They give you way too many options for things that you don't need to do, but for some reason, and I don't know if it's because I mainly play metroidvania style games but you want to explore every corner of a map but that's not how sonic is designed you're not supposed to do that (laughs) uh and so i i always feel uncomfortable playing those games because i feel like i'm missing a bunch of things and just speed running but that's kind of the point uh where where bonk is not that bonk is more like a uh an original super mario brothers feel where you're going to go through the whole level from the start point to the end point there's not a lot of branching paths for the most part um it's got a little more character than the original you know, a couple Mario games because that the whole theme is caveman. So you're you're really focused on you know you go through this volcanic area, then you go to a cave area, then you go through some ice areas. You know, all all the areas you'd expect to see in these platforms, but because it's all got the caveman theme, like you jump into a dinosaur at the end of level like one three, I think it is, and the next level is inside the dinosaur. So you're swimming around in the dinosaur's guts while you try to figure out what you can do uh, to get through the the end of the level. It, I, I think it's a neat a neat theme for a game as well. Uh, as opposed to just being, yeah, you're running and jumping on rocks. Yeah, and I was I was way into dinosaurs at the time. Uh, you know, as, as a kid, that was the number one thing for me w- was dinosaurs and placing Bonk in that era, which I, you know I believe that was well before Joe and Mac and the arcade ever came out. Um, seeing that, it, it was it was just everything that I kind of wanted. I was like, man, check out all of these fucking dinosaurs and being able to go inside of a dinosaur. It was, 
it was really great. I mean, it was just one of those things that captured my attention instantly every time I saw it. Well, as you go through the levels, uh, much like in any of these platformers, there are different items and, and things you pick up that help you on your way. Uh, this game, I think, was, was a little different because most of the items you'll find aren't just laying around uh, like in Adventure Island or, or Wonder Boy. Instead, they're in these plants. They look like, like tulips. When you jump on them, they have this comical animation, and some of them, uh, most of them, in fact, will spit out items you can use on your quest. So the most common thing you'll find is fruits. Uh, the yellow plants will normally give you fruits, and they give you points because there are points in this game that are completely useless, although they do earn you extra lives uh, for points. So I guess they're not completely useless, but it, it's another kind of game like the Mario games where it's assumed you're also playing for scores somehow from arcades, uh, even though no one kept track of that. Uh, but you do get extra lives from points, so I guess it's worth having them for that purpose. Uh, but also it helps you recover some health. You have three hearts at the top of the screen. As you get hit by enemies, it takes off a sizable chunk of each heart. Um, as you get hit, and then the, the fruits will give you a small health recovery. Uh, one of the other things you'll find in there is uh, meat. Meat turns you into a super bonk, like a caveman bonk, uh, powered up caveman bonk. Uh, and if you take two pieces of small meat, you get invincibility. And it plays this amazing theme. <laughs> And then you uh, turn green, flash green, and you can run through all these enemies. I mean, it, it's a very short invincibility, much like Mario's invincibility. But uh, especially the early levels, you can kind of chain those so that you're invincible for half the time. And I think that's part of what they try to teach you in the levels as you go through, is how to use each of these items fairly effectively. Yeah, that was one of the, thing, the things I kind of noticed going through the game was, I, it, you know, I don't know if I was doing it by accident or what, but it seemed like I was just being invincible over and over and over again. And I would like to say uh, real quick, Bonk, it, it, it was kind of weird how few games back then actually did invincibility well. It, it kind of surprises me going back through a lot of these old 16-bit games for this podcast and like the reviews we do on YouTube and things like that, where like invincibility was, it, it wasn't done very well. It was like there were, you, you you just kind of either flashed or something half the time you didn't even know you were invincible and you get games like bonk where you, the music changes every you know you're flashing you know you're invincible it feels good to feel to be invincible in in that state but it, it it's so weird how few games back then actually got that right you would think of all the things in a game that would be the easiest to get right would be invincibility but surprisingly, there there not too many games that actually did invincibility well, but Bonk does it very well. And every time I got those two meats on a bone or whatever the hell it was, I you know I look forward to being invincible because I knew I could just run through the stage and that awesome music would be playing and everything was great. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point because the invincibility song in this is it's set every time. It's the same. You know, the same theme, but, you know, even the Mario Brothers for, is a good example, because that's probably the other great version of Invincibility. You know, the music changes, and it's obvious to tell when you're invincible, but when it runs out, it just stops. Like, there's no, like, the end of the Invincibility theme isn't the same every time. Where in Bonks, it is. You can hear when, the, when it's going to stop. It has, like, a wrap-up sound towards the end, and then you even have that extra second or so after the song's over where you're still invincible. So just in case you were mid-jump. You're not going to get screwed when you land on something uh, because you ran invincibility midair. I mean, it's it does do that very well. 
Uh, the other items that are found in these flowers are pink hearts, which remove uh, give you a lot more health back than the, the fruits did. There are two green plants hidden in the levels, although hidden is a very loose term. They're actually pretty much unavoidable. Uh, but there are two green plants in the game. When you get those, you can earn two extra overall hearts to give Bonk a total of five hearts that he will keep until he continues. Uh, you get three lives to start, uh, but again, you get extra lives with points. You can also find extra life uh, bonks in levels. Some are laying in, in hidden areas. Some are found uh, like a, a flower will come out of the sky, and if you can grab it in time, it turns into a flower that gives you a, an extra bonk. So it, without trying, one of the things I remembered about this game that I definitely had happen again uh, is you can, you can stock up some lives in those early levels so that there's pretty much no chance you'll need to continue once you know how the game is laid out. Uh, the, it's kind of an odd layout for the whole game. You know, Mario is, is <laughs> as a comparison, you've got 1-1-1-2-1-3-1-4, and then 2-1-2-2-2-3-2-4. They're all very formulaic, but it has that same, you know when you're going to get to a, it's not a boss in Mario, but, you know, the end the end stage where you have to avoid uh, Bowser and, and get to the hammer at the end of the, of the level. Sonic is very similar. You have two levels and then a boss, you know, towards the end, or three levels with a boss at the end. But it's always the same. Bonk is all over the place. The, the bonk goes from one one to one three, and then it goes to two one through like two seven or two eight. <laughs> yes, this is like my biggest complaint to the game. Like I had never actually played all the way through Bonk before we did this podcast, and by the time I got up to like the the fourth world or whatever i was like what is this game doing like how is it counting levels like you know i was like well you know you go to from like one to one three uh on on that first world and then i was like okay you know well it's going to be a set of, of just like every world is going to have three levels and you're going to have the boss level and then the second world you're going all the way up to like seven stages in that one and I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just going to keep every state, every world is going to keep getting longer. And then you get to the fire world, and it's one fucking stage. Yeah, level and four is one like, level. <laughs> it's like, what do you know? You got to make that. Like, why did you do this? It, it really just didn't make any sense as far as like how they laid out those worlds and, and how many stages they put into those. Because for, for the most part, there are a lot of those stages that look similar that you could just place in other worlds and be like, okay, well, this would be a part of, you know, the fire world, maybe before you actually got to the, the part that was all fiery and stuff, you know, it's just, it, it's odd how they did that. I, I really didn't understand why they laid out the game like that. Well, why even have, I mean, I guess you have the one dash one through three and then two dash one through seven, I guess. So, you know, where a boss is when you hit a boss, you start the next start but you wouldn't even need that and and actually the sequel doesn't bother with that they just kind of just have a bunch of levels and there are bosses in there somewhere and, and you keep going so it, it is yeah it's definitely weird like like you said level four is one long flat level uh a very hard level for this game yeah. uh but but yeah like two world two is probably the best example because it goes through seven it kind of shows you everything that's going to happen in this game uh, there's a little bit of everything. Uh, Bonk has levels where you swim. Now, there thankfully is no oxygen, so even though Billy's not here, I'm sure he was relieved <laughs> to hear that there's no way to run out of air in Bonk. Uh, there are there are levels that are more vertical, uh, where you have to kind of do some climbing. Uh, there's levels where, you, yeah, you're climbing on the outside of things, and you can actually push left and right to rotate around the stalks you're climbing on, which I thought was pretty cool. 
there there are some levels where you want to avoid the ground as much as possible. That level four that you that we just talked about, uh, there are large sections of it where if you slam the ground in front of these trees, the trees will uproot and march across the map, and then you can stand on top of them to avoid almost all the enemies that are there, uh, but at the same time having to make sure you're not getting hit by some birds that are going to knock you off the tree. Uh, but then that's the only way to get half those power-ups uh, that are in that level. It's definitely a weird layout. Um, e- each world, though, does end with, I think, a fairly, even if they're not difficult, a good-looking, large well-animated boss fight, which is nice to see. They're all different. They're not just palette swaps of the same enemy each time. They, they're all, you know, they all have different different fights, you know, move sets for the bosses. I, I really like the bosses in Box. Yeah, the, the bosses were definitely one of the high points. Uh, there were a couple that just, I mean, the game overall isn't very hard, but there were a couple that, that made me actually, uh, you know, I had to be on my toes to, to end up beating them or whatever. They they gave a bit more challenge than what I was expecting. Uh, but yeah, they, there's, they're not all just palette swaps. You know, we played a lot of these games on this podcast where bosses for every world are literally just palette swaps of the previous boss or something. You know, they might have one different attack or something like this. These are all completely individual bosses. They've all got their, their own attacks. They all look completely different. And uh, you never really know what what you're going to have to deal with until you get to them, which to me is what a boss battle should be if you're going to put bosses in your game. They shouldn't just be an afterthought. They should be something, you know, every, every one of them should be an individual fight that you have to go in and, and not know what you're expecting. Well, and I think if people remember Bonk and remember it other than... You know that it's a caveman that slams his head on stuff. You'd remember the bosses. I remember that was what they always showed off, at least the first few bosses. And and again, especially as you're you're playing this for the first time, the first three worlds are kind of just to teach you how to play the game. You'll breeze through those pretty easily. Uh, and the bosses are the hardest parts of the the early game. There's only a handful of them, so it's actually worth just going through those bosses specifically. Uh, the first boss is a big, goofy dinosaur that slowly moves left to right on the screen and blows snot bubbles at you. Uh, his name is Huey. Uh, but you'll notice when you get to Huey, the first one of the bosses, he has this weird eggshell on his head. So, of course, that's the only thing you can do to hurt him is to hit this eggshell. You hit the eggshell enough times, and you can see it cracking, which I always thought was kind of cool. That Instead of having a boss health meter, you can see the egg crack. Uh, until the egg shatters off his head, and I guess those eggshells are mind-controlling devices that were put on the enemies by the ultimate bad guy of Bonk, King Drool, uh, who's just a giant dinosaur with a crown. Uh, the egg pieces, once you knock them off, it turns out this is one of Bonk's friends, and now he's glad you've saved him, and you get to go to the next world. I, I, that first boss is very, very easy. Uh, other than learning you're supposed to hit the eggshells, I don't think there's much of a point to that boss. Again, other than that it's a huge, well-animated boss fight. Yeah, there. I mean, there's really nothing to it once you figure out you just have to jump and hit the top of his head. I mean, it really didn't start getting challenging to me until uh, a, a few levels later when there's uh, I, I can't I don't actually know his name, uh, but I believe it's the monkey, and you have to. It, it's kind of hard to to get, to jump around him and and hit him on his head because he's constantly uppercutting you. Uh, but beyond that, uh, most of the bosses were, you know, they, they were 
they weren't very hard, but they were definitely challenging enough to where it was kind of the highlight of the whole game for me. Well, I think the first the first two bosses really aren't hard at all. The second boss yeah. uh, the second world is Gladys, who is I mean, they're all dinosaurs, but she's like a smaller dinosaur character that uh, teleports around the room like she'll show up at the top of the screen, then split in half and you have to find the one of her that's real and one that's the illusion will vanish. Uh, you hit her enough times and she actually has multiple uh, multiple forms um, of the fight. So after you hit her enough times from that the teleporting thing, then she'll or from the. Sorry, the duplicating thing. Then she'll start teleporting around. You hit her on the head a few more times, and she starts actually just literally spamming around the screen, shooting, uh, shooting green throwing stars at you. But she's not that hard. She's she's not difficult by any means, other than you know that it's neat that she has so many attacks uh, for an early boss in a game. Uh, the boss of the third world is Kongozilla. That's who you mentioned. Uh, that's the yes. boxer. He he kind of has a quick attack where he'll punch to the left and the right. His big thing is he goes underground and then shoots back up, and you have to time. Your, uh, you know, your bonk falling on top of his head so that his hand isn't blocking the way. Otherwise, it hurts you and doesn't do any damage to him. Uh, again, not incredibly tough, but at least there's a little more to him than the previous two bosses. Um, but but at the same time, it doesn't take many hits to kill bonk. So I can see it being difficult at first to learn his patterns. Uh, one of the things we didn't mention we should have is when you die in Bonk's Adventure. You thankfully don't go back to a checkpoint or anything similar. You get to start right where you were. Bonk just shows back up where he died, and you can continue on that boss fight or that level until you run out of lives and you have to continue. Then you start at the beginning of whatever world you're at. Uh, I think you have unlimited continues, although I didn't test that theory. I only had to continue one time uh, for the purpose of this podcast, but I don't remember ever having a cutoff on continues. Yeah, that's. I don't. I I think I maybe continued twice uh, through the entire thing and. You basically just start back at the, at the world or at that. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I wasn't wasn't ever too far into the world to to be like, oh, you start back right, you know, at that stage. But every time I, I usually had enough lives that when I did die, you know, it, it was just I would just pop back up, which you know that was kind of rare back then, because usually you just you had checkpoints, if that. Uh, otherwise, if you died, you know, you'd start back at the beginning of the stage, but. Yeah, with Bonk, there, there's you just pop right back up, and it's easy enough to find extra lives throughout those stages. That, like you said before, you can have a decent amount of a, a good stock of lives, so that when the game actually is challenging, you don't really have to worry about it too much. You know, you can just do your battle of attrition and and go on with it. Well, and the game starts getting hard, in my opinion, at World 4, that one long level you talked about. Yes. Um, it, the game definitely steps it up. The, the level is much harder. There are parts of the level where you, as you're going through to get to the end, uh, the, the volcanoes in the background that look like just background in every other level to this point start exploding. And volcanic rocks will fall around the screen. You have to dodge those along with dodging birds that are trying to fly at you and attack you and all the other regular enemies on the, in the level. Uh, there's also parts of the level that hurt to walk on, which is why you want those trees. Otherwise, you take damage when you walk on parts of the lava. It, it's definitely a harder level, and it's long. And you get to the end of that level, and you get to, in my opinion, the hardest boss in the game, which still not that tough, but he does have kind of a one-hit kill. Uh, and that's Punchy Pedro. He's a dinosaur that has giant punching gloves, 
He's bigger than the uh, last character that jumps out of the ground. Instead, Punchy Pedro has this thing where he'll shoot his rockets, his gloves off like they have rockets and they fly around. That's not so bad, but he'll do this real quick jab. And if he happens to hit you with his real quick jab, it shoots you up into the air and it does like three and a half hearts worth of damage, which most of the time mm-hmm. is a one hit kill. Um, if you can get hit by that three or four times, and that's all the lives you had, which is one of the times I continued, was when I, I got hit by his attack like four times, and I was like, okay, i got to be a little more careful. I'm making myself easily hit uh, on a boss that really shouldn't be that tough. If you take your time on him, you can avoid that attack fairly easily. But it's also also easy to, to miss, miss an attack you're making, land on a pedestal, and all of a sudden he punches you with that hit, and it knocks you into the oh. air, and that's it. Yeah, level four is where the game decides it's, it's going to be tough now. Um, and I think a lot of these... A lot of these early platformers have that where the first few levels are kind of practice for the last couple levels, and Bonk definitely fits that mold. And that's what it seems like because there's, for those first three levels, I, I wasn't really paying much of attention, like at all. Like, this really does just seem like Baby's first platform game. Like, there really wasn't much challenge to it. I, it's, it is a very easy game, and I was doing that thing where I was racking up extra lives and I wasn't dying. And when you play a game like that, you're just like, Oh, well, I, I guess I'm doing something right. Or, or, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, I'm really good at this game where it's really easy and I, I'm not very good at games. So I just fig- figured the game was very easy. So when I got to that level four, uh, world four, whatever, and it got, exponentially harder which you know again the game isn't exactly hard all the way through but when you go from just sleeping through these levels and doing basic platformer stuff it's it's fun but it's not challenging at all and then you get to level four and the game is like okay now we want to be challenging it's it's a strange kind of difficulty spike that's just right there and it stays all the way to the end of the game and i kind of wish maybe like like before they just divided level two up in a way that it made a little bit more sense in the middle of the game to make things a little bit harder or something, because it really does just go from this is way too easy to, okay, now you, you have to actually pay attention and and play the game. Right. And it's still not an unfair difficulty spike. It's not like all of a sudden the game becomes, you know, the end of dark souls, but but it's still compared to what you've been doing. It's like, oh yeah, well, this is where we want to be hard. I think that's one of my major complaints with this game, and actually most of the Bonk series, is that it takes too long to get challenging. I don't think it ever gets hard, but challenging is a good, is a good word. And I think it takes too long in all these games to get to the point where I'm, I'm not just walking through these levels because I have, you know, it's pretty to look at. Yeah, and th- that's really what it is. It's you, you get conditioned in the early part of the game to just, well, this is going to, this is going to be how it is. For the rest of the game and then suddenly it's not that you know you definitely have to to put on your, your platforming armor and stuff like that and figure out what the hell you're doing because the game suddenly decides it wants to be that kind of game to where you have to pay attention instead of just sleepwalking through it well and the last world world five is where the game not just oh. doesn't just say hey we're gonna have some tough enemies but now they're gonna make you remember uh that you hate disappearing platforms that you hate. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things in, in most platform games people complain about are all present in the, the last level of Bonk. The, thankfully, the only thing that's not there is a scroll, an auto-scrolling level, which is my least favorite thing in <laughs> any platform game. So that doesn't happen, but there are... I mean, the last few levels are have sections where you'll climb up 
on these platforms that open or dissolve or fall when you're on there. And if you miss one, you fall down like six or seven floors to start again over. And it's it's like, uh, they're not tough. You're just going to take your time. Um, some of the enemies here, there are these, they look like statues, but then they actually fly at you. They look like stone dinosaurs with spikes all over them uh, that kind of fly at you like a wall. They're, those are all over the place. Those do a lot of damage. Uh, you can destroy all of them, but if you're just trying, you know, everything else up to this point has been dying in one or two hits. These these take several more, and they take time, and you, you've got to be careful with them. But yeah, the, the last... The last world is the toughest levels in the game. Again, they're not very tough, but they're kind of long, and they do have a lot of platforming. And then you get to, thankfully, an, a fairly easy boss rush, in my opinion. Normally not a fan <laughs> of the boss rush, but these boss rushes were not bad. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. And, and just just to go back real quick to this, uh, the previous stage, um, the, the, entire, the entirety of Bonk, all the way, even all the way through the fourth level, it's had platforming, but it's never been the kind of platforming that was just, you know, you miss a jump, you have to go back and do a lot of that platforming over again. Level five or world five is literally all of that. Yes. You were, if you miss one jump, you were going to have to redo a, a very long section of that level unless you just get lucky and land on another disappearing platform before it disappears. But that was the thing that was like, oh, so this game is has now decided to be an actual platform game, and <laughs> it it was just kind of odd that it it just threw that out there at the at the end. And I get it, you know, it's the last stage. You kind of want to be, you want to up that difficulty level, but it, it's just odd that it throws that in there, that level of platforming, all the way at the end. And it's not just one section. It is like the entirety of, of that entire stage. All, you know, all, all the different sections of it are a kind of crazy platforming that you have to be pretty precise with. It's not the hardest thing ever, but you have to suddenly be like, okay, now I'm playing a platforming game that this game has didn't want to be. At the beginning, it was kind of just fine with throwing enemies at you all the time. Now we're going to be a platforming game plus the enemies and it was it kind of got frustrating up and up to that point the boss rush i was like well of course there's a boss boss rush because you know it's it's a platformer and that's what you got to do i guess you know if we're going to fucking cover one of these games on the podcast it's got to have a boss rush and but it wasn't bad i i enjoyed these bosses so much that i didn't actually mind doing a, a boss rush of, of them because it was just it it was it was fun enough. I, and I, it was fun enough to go back through those bosses and just basically decimate them every, every single one of them uh, since I had done it before, and it, it was not hard at all. Well, the, yeah, there are two points I want to make about this boss rush. One, in between each boss, did you know if you slant, like jumped into the ceiling on the way the pathway to the each, in between each boss rush that there were items? By accident, like three bosses <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, in between each boss, you can basically get a full life hell, uh, full life fill, and possibly a one up uh, on the way to the next boss, which makes it easier. And, and I think small meats in some of them. The small meat, if you're not invincible, it makes you so you do a little more damage uh, with your head as opposed to being completely a standard bonk. Um, the other thing is, the first time you get to the boss rush area, you actually walk through them. So you walk through these big rooms that look like where you fought the bosses before, and it looks like there's statues of the bosses you fought before. They're gray, they don't move, 
And you get to where you think's the end of the stage, and it's like, nope, wait a minute. And then the last boss shows up, like casts a spell, and you can see it fall down these pits right on top of where those guys were, and all of a sudden now you have to fight them. Like So it's almost like it tricks you. Where you're like, oh, I'm not a boss rush. Oh, whew, good, no boss rush. And then, <laughs> nope, just kidding, here's your boss rush. But you're right. First off, the bosses are the best part of this game, I think, uh, at least for for the sake of... of uh, of of why I remember it and why I think it, it should be remembered. The bosses are, are probably one of the biggest pieces. And, and yes, having the power-ups in between each one makes it so you can kind of destroy these guys, especially the first two or three bosses. You'll just mow them down without even thinking. Yeah, there, there was really nothing to it. I mean, it was it was enjoyable. I, I think for all that we, we shit on boss rushes, it's because a lot of these games that are already not very good and have kind of shitty bosses anyway are they always lean on the boss rush at the end and that was never the fun part of the game but for bonk like for me getting to these bosses and fighting them that was the fun part so it was actually nice at the end to have an actual boss rush for once that i i had no problem with i it was just it was fine i i can't believe i'm saying this i enjoyed a boss rush on this podcast it was it was lovely well especially because after the boss rush you then have the last two bosses back to back which are uh the whole story of bonk was that king drool captured princess za not that exciting a story which is why i didn't mention it till 50 minutes into a podcast but the, <laughs> the, the the last two bosses are princess like possessed princess za and her giant machine which looks really cool but ultimately you just keep slamming into the head of the machine and king drool himself who just flies around and teleports and you just have to hit him when he's visible both of those bosses not that interesting they look really cool but the fights themselves are not the most interesting fights mm-hmm. the whole weird truck dinosaur thing obviously the coolest thing i've ever seen a, a dinosaur monster truck or whatever the hell it was but yeah you're you're just slamming your head into it over and over compared to the previous bosses where you actually have to have some sort of strategy to it this one not so much there there really wasn't anything to it well it, both both that and the last the actual last yes. boss of king drool were kind of just attrition battles i mean at this point mm-hmm. i had 10 lives saved up so you could just Take your time, hit hit drool over and over again. Maybe he'll accidentally hit you. Who cares? You'll just come right back there with another bonk, and uh, and you'll get through him. Not not the most exciting fight, but uh, but that said, still you know big and pretty bosses. Like you said, the the vehicle for possessed Princess Za is actually the coolest looking thing in the game, uh, and and it's it's that kind of stuff that that is what I remember is the way everything looked and the, and the feel of the game. Despite that, after playing through it again, it's not a great game. But a memorable game. I, I don't know how to. It's not bad. I mean, I'm not saying sitting here saying don't play Bonk. Bonk is fine. But but you'll play it once and you'll remember how cool things looked. But you won't rush to play it again. Yeah, that's that's kind of Bonk for me. It's it is one of those games I will always remember as far as the way it looks. Uh, just the all the expression that it has the whole time, the whole way through it, the bosses. But everything kind of in between that, it's not anything that I'm really, you know, I'd ever want to really go back to. Like, I, every time I play Bonk, I'm just like, yes, this is fun. I enjoy playing Bonk. But once I'm done playing Bonk, I don't really ever want to just kind of rush back to it and play Bonk again. Uh, I played parts of it over the, you know, the, over the years. But like I said, this was the first time I actually played through the entire thing. 
And I, even though I played through the entire thing this time, I still kind of have the same attitude. Just like, well, that was fun, but I don't know if I just want to rush back and play that ever again. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's fun, but yeah, you know. The, the actual gameplay is not notable. And I guess that's, yes, it's cool that he's a caveman. Yes, the game looks very pretty. Uh, you know, yes, the, the actual setting has, it's an interesting world with bosses. I mean, it, it, it's interesting to look at. It is not very fun to play. It's just it's it's neat to see where you can get to, but you know they're not gonna. There, there's definitely parts of games where you feel really good when you finish them. This game doesn't have any of that, other than just the the joy of beating a game. It just feels like yeah, I, I beat a game, the end. Um, and and unfortunately, I don't think any of the future bonks really change that. Uh, after the original game. Uh, they had a sequel on the TurboGrafx-16 called Bonk's Revenge, which is as close to making a sequel that's the exact same game that you can do. Um, I mean, it's all new levels and all new bosses, and other than that, it feels like the same game. I mean, it's there's not a lot of new mechanics added to Bonk's Revenge at all. Um, Bonk 3, Bonk's Big Adventure, came out for the TurboGrafx as well, also the TurboGrafx CD, and that gave you the additional abilities to eat things that turned you giant and small. Uh, so you get to different areas, or uh, the, I think the giant Bonk has better attacks. Uh, I played Bonk's Big Adventure for about 20 seconds, and it felt exactly like Bonk. I watched a little bit of a Let's Play just to see if it's like majorly different later. No, it's exactly the same, but you can grow big and small. Uh, and it came out late enough in the TurboGrafx system that it was one of those games you weren't going to find unless you went to a, an extreme specialty store or, you know, ordered it out of a catalog. It, it was not something you'd find at that point in Toys R Us. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the screenshots for the one where you could actually grow really large. And I was like, well, that's really neat, but it still looks very much like Bonk. So... I, I never actually played those games. Uh, Bonk, the, the original Bonk was was the only one I actually played. So that everything else beyond that, besides Air Zonk, which is kind of a weird offshoot that we covered, uh, I'm I'm I don't quite know what the future of of Bonk held. Well, it, it I mean Bonk was a popular enough character. The games did well enough for TurboGrafx games, which means it sold eight copies. Uh, TurboGrafx that's a huge success. <laughs> um, that that. NEC and Hudson wanted to branch that out. You know, Hudson did games for Nintendo that were the Hudson's Adventure Island and, you know, uh, that was a... Shoot. Oh, Mylon Secret Castle. You know, the hits. Uh, they put out, oh. they, they already were on other, other systems. So, and Bomberman was actually a Hudson property. So th they wanted to bring Bonk to other systems. So they did a port of the original Bonk's Adventure for the Nintendo that I had never played. It was late Nintendo. It was after, I think, 1993. So the Super Nintendo had been out for years. This is one of those last last stretch of uh, you know NES games that came out. And it actually is not a bad port. It's not as good. You can see the limitations of the Nintendo versus the TurboGrafx uh, clearly in the, in the game. But that said, it actually is a very good port of this game. Um, I, I would still highly recommend the TurboGrafx version over the Nintendo, but if you only play the Nintendo version of Bonk till now, you're not missing much. Uh, it, it's definitely an interesting way to, to make a port to cut out what the system can't handle, but still leaving the actual game and the gameplay pretty much intact. It is, and you know, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of that NES Bonk. You, you definitely do get the Bonk experience, but you're also leaving out a lot of what made Bonk special on the Turbo Graphics, which was uh, you know the graphics and just 
how good everything looked. Obviously, it didn't look like that on the Nintendo. And what you're what you're left with on the NES is just a very basic platformer without the fun graphics and and sound and everything else that the Turbo Graphics gave you with that game. And it's kind of unfortunate because you know you you would think be like, well, if it's a great game, then it's going to be a great game without all of that as well. But Bonk, as you said, was just a very basic platformer, but it had a lot of it had a lot of charm to it. And you you kind of lose a, a good deal of that with that NES port. Well, and it's it's a couple years later too, so there are better platformers out for the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, and and Bonk didn't age as well as as it could have. Uh, the 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 other games that came out in the series, there was a Super Bonk for the Super Nintendo, uh, a Japanese only sequel, Super Bonk Two, uh, that came out, and then that was it. Other than some mobile games that Hudson put out. Uh, in the 2000s, but no one cares about mobile games. Uh, and then there was supposed to be a game called Bonk the Brink of Extinction that was kind of a rebirth of the character that was coming out uh, in 2011, but then was canceled. Uh, and Hudson is now the property of Konami, and who knows if anything will ever happen with Bonk again. Um, I, I honestly don't know if it matters, other than the Arizona games we mentioned, which were a completely different style of game. Bonk really didn't, uh, no pun intended, the Caveman Bonk did not evolve uh, during yeah. their game system. I, that was actually not even intentional. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, I mean, games that have a bunch of games in their series, like Amaro or Sonic, being the best two examples, do change. In Sonic's case, mm-hmm. sometimes for the worse. But at least they try to make the character more than the original game. They don't just put out the same game with some different graphics and, you know, different levels, but essentially the same character with the same level style. Bonk's games never changed. Bonk was always... The same sort of levels, the same theme. The graphics look similar enough. Uh, I mean, Mega Man's very similar in that in that aspect, but I think Mega Man is a much more difficult and challenging game, and it did try. I mean, Mega Man has has the Mega Man X series and has the 3D Mega Mans and uh, those Game Boy ones that are somehow kind of like Pokemon that I've never played. But at least again, they've tried to do different things with the Mega Man, and so they can still put out you know original Mega Man throwback titles, but still feel like their character has evolved over the years bonk really did not yeah and from what you say you know if they stayed with that same basic formula as as the original bonk then you're just basically putting out a very a very basic platformer over and over again like there's really not much to that game you know you could add the the whole ability to, to make bonk really large or really small or something like that but if if there wasn't anything else added to that formula, then you're not putting out anything else that wasn't already just flooded on the 16-bit market. With you know, it was just all just platformers, and every single one of them kind of had their own gimmick. And even though Bonk was a cool character and you know a prehistoric thing, you also at you know when they started doing sequels, you also had Joe and Mac, which was an awesome. A looking game set in a fucking prehistoric area uh, era that was just totally fun. So it's it's just one of those things like you you really needed to to step up your game as far as like doing something different with Bonk besides just being the same basic thing. You know, like I I, I haven't played like I said I haven't played the other games, so maybe there's a little bit more to them besides what I originally saw back in the day. But I never saw anything that really elevated Bonk beside up above, 
the the other uh, platformers that were doing something a little bit different than what they when they originally originally started. No, it it really isn't uh, something that is a need to play. It's not one of those characters you're going to play the game. And you're like, man, I want to make. I, I wish they made more of those. You're going to play it and you're going to enjoy it, and then you will remember little flashes of it. Uh, of different pieces of the game, mainly the bosses, or or perhaps just like the level where you stomp on a dinosaur's head and you climb around on the dinosaur for the next whole level. I mean, little touches make this game notable. And if if you're gonna play a greatest hits of the Turbo Graphics, there's there's no chance this isn't on there, because again, the first time you play through this game, you're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be fun. It's just not memorable, and it has it has very little replayability. And unfortunately, the the rest of the games in the series follow the same trend. They don't really build enough on Bonk and make him any larger of a character than he was. Uh, and, and so this may be one that's better just left on the occasional, you know, best of best of series. You know, when, it, when the TurboGrafx game showed up on the Wii, it's going to show up every time. And people will be like, oh, yeah, Bonk, that's right. And they'll play it and they'll be like, that was fun. Anyway, back to playing Super Mario 17 or whatever game they're playing now on the <laughs> Switch. Uh, that, that, that's, that's how Bonk is probably going to last. Maybe he'll show up in some kart racer as, a, as an extra character. But otherwise, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think this is one... Again, I highly recommend it if you if you're looking for a Turbo Graphics game, if if it's one you played like I did when you were younger, it's definitely worth revisiting just to remember how cool things looked. But it's not something you're going to play over and over again. I I agree, and I I do have one last question for Bonk for this game because I did not realize I was compl- I, I was playing it completely wrong. So I I played this game twice. And the first time I went through, I played it very traditionally. I was just going through attacking things and doing doing what you would expect to do to get through a platformer. And I started looking on these these videos and people were basically just using Bonk's head smash. When you jump up in the air and you do your head smash, the game, you, you kind of hover. Now, if you don't have an original TurboGrafx controller, you will just do the head smash and you will fall down, or you can do it again at some point as you're falling down and, and kind of stop and do this, do it over again. But if you have an original TurboGrafx controller, those controllers had turbo buttons on them. So you could actually turn that on and just do the head smash, like just press the button down and you will literally hover across the screen. And this is apparently the way that everyone played this game. Because, you know, if you're going to play, you had a, the original Turbo Graphics, you had the controller, you had the turbo button. And everything that I have seen up, in, you know, from what I've watched, people are just using that to play the game. So did I actually, is this game kind of intentionally broken? as far as just being able to use this thing that was built onto the controller to make this game, you could just float through levels using this head, but do you don't, do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I do. And that is, uh, I don't want to say a strategy, but that's definitely something you can do. And I do remember doing that, especially through that long level four one. It, it's not that you float necessarily, you will slowly fall to the ground, but you're spinning so fast that you're not really going down much, maybe a pixel at a time. So if you are, get a running jump and you start spinning and you use the turbo button you will literally spin so fast that you barely go down over time as you more or less float across the stage uh that will only help you on long stages like level four uh the levels 
you know, towards the end, the, the last set of levels that are all platforming, that strategy will not help you. That strategy will okay. will not get you through the end of the game. Uh, you will have a very difficult time. That said, you can breeze through the first few maps with no problem that way, and then the harder map, 4-1, uh, definitely the same strategy. Yes, that is that is something people did. Uh, you also can't really use it on a boss. If you try to use that spinning jump towards a boss, when you do finally hit the boss, it actually knocks you out of that spin. And if you're not prepared, you'll take damage when you get hit again on the way down or whatever. So it, it did... I don't want to say it make the game broken, but a lot of those TurboGrafx games, um, specifically the shooters, specifically um, you know Bonk with the, with the head spin, there were a lot of those games that because the controller had a built-in turbo and there's nothing you could do about it, there were some games where it was kind of like, here's an easy mode, use the turbo button. Otherwise, try to play the game without it. That's what we wanted. Okay, I mean, that was just one of those things I, I totally forgot the TurboGrafx controller even had was an actual turbo button built into it. So, you know, I was actually playing, of course, playing it on an emulator because I don't have a turbo graphics. But, yeah, I mean, seeing like what everyone else was saying and what I was seeing on, on a, lot of the, a lot of those videos, it was just, you know, they were just using that to float kind of float across the stage. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I did that wrong. But, you know, it's uh, still even playing it correctly. I, I really never had any problem with it. And I imagine just using that technique would you know, you can maybe get across a few sections a little bit easier. It definitely saves you some time, but yeah, it's not a requirement. And uh, and again, you can't finish the game that way, but it will fly you through some of the harder stages. So, All right. So that's our thoughts on the Bonk series. Definitely worth playing once, probably not worth playing twice. Uh, but still, for a TurboGrafx game that I've brought up, probably top two, hands down. <laughs> this and, and Military Madness <laughs> may be it. I guess Splatterhouse as well, but that, to be fair, was also on Genesis. Uh, but next episode, we will not be covering another TurboGrafx game. Uh, next episode, I think uh, I'm going to be going on vacation. I'm not going to be able to take a lot with me. And I know that Billy is kind of living in and out of a... Uh, out of boxes while he figures out uh, where he's going to be for his next job location. So one of the things we all have is an NES Classic, and a game I've never played that's on there is Star Tropics. So we're going to try to look at Star Tropics for the next show. Uh, I've never played it. I believe both of you have. Uh, but I'm probably the, uh, you know, going to have the most to say then since I've never played it before. All I remember is that a parrot tells you to do me so far, do me. And that is that is the extent of star tropics for me i mean that's that honestly is all you need to make a game memorable so that works i i hope i mean that's what i'm looking forward to i mean that's but it's yeah, literally all i remember so um yeah that's uh you know that was uh, in one of those nintendo published games that very few people actually remember i believe it had a sequel but no one very few people actually remember that star tropics was another nintendo game that they actually pushed out on the nintendo is definitely not one of the more remembered games from from nintendo on that system i definitely think it's a later title but, yeah but again uh it's on the classic so obviously a lot of people do remember it and hopefully if you haven't you can play it on the ns classic but i think it's also available on every virtual console uh so you can find it fairly easily if you want to prep for our next show but if you're looking for something else to do 
in between episodes of Retrovaniacs. Don't forget that we have a YouTube channel. We did forget we have a YouTube channel, but we finally started <laughs> posting videos again, uh, mainly because Jeremy's the only one who posts videos. I'm incapable of figuring out how to do it. And uh, and so <laughs> he's back uh, up and healthy, so he did post up a new video on Mario Paint. It's excellent. Please check that out. Um, I think we've hit 900 subs. 900 subs. Uh, yeah, it's it's... It's taken a minute, but yeah, we we totally got up to 900 subscriptions. Uh, we we definitely get a lot of people asking you know, or, or commenting, saying like, "Oh, why don't you know? You guys should have way more subscriptions." But uh, we, we just don't really advertise or anything like that as far as the channel goes. Besides what we do here on on the podcast or Twitter or Instagram or anything or Facebook. So you know we're not really out there trying to advertise that stuff. It's it's more or less just I enjoy making these stupid reviews and and that's as far as it goes. So yes, the latest video review was was Mario Paint. I'd been wanting to do that for well over a month, but again, if you've listened to this podcast, I broke my leg and I just wasn't able to sit at the desk and do that stuff for a while. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, if you're wanting to watch some of our reviews that isn't a podcast, check out our YouTube channel. We've, we've got plenty of those. And, uh, I believe, uh, not too long ago, we were actually maybe over like 60, 60 reviews or more at this point. A lot of them are pretty old and not very good, but Hey, you know, if, if you want to watch, watch something that isn't, like I said, isn't podcasts then definitely check out our, our YouTube channel. Uh, definitely appreciate everyone that has subscribed and commented and, and definitely just left us messages over the last few months or years. Uh, we we do this because we have fun doing it. It's not anything we're looking for as far as like attention or monetary value or anything like that. It's just a thing we enjoy doing. So thank you for, for getting us over that point. Hopefully we'll get over a thousand here pretty soon. Uh, Again, I, I really don't want to. I don't want to say to you guys, thank you for for getting us to where we are. Yeah, we do this because we like it, but it is nice that other people like it too. So we're yeah. glad you're listening and watching the YouTube channel. Uh, and again, you can find us on any social media platform at retrovania.net. And we will see you in two weeks with Star Tropics for the Nintendo. We'll see you next time.